shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You thank you, Lord, for You are prevailing, you are prevailing, you are prevailing, you are prevailing on our behalf. We can feel it, we can feel it, we can tell by our encounters, our experiences, the sorrow of this season, that you are prevailing on our behalf. Your intercession with the Father, thank you Jesus. We are feeling, we are feeling that you are, you are standing on our behalf. You are doing things for us. You are interceding for our souls. We are prevailing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for standing before your Father, not leaving us alone, to our adversaries, the enemies of our soul. But Father, allowing your son to intercede in your presence for us. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. Lord, this morning, we come with expectation, but not with entitlement. We come and we bring our heart under the provision of mercy, that which is already given to us in your heart which your son has worked out for us. Lord, I pray this morning we don't want to stay on the surface. Bring us into the secrets, more of the secrets, the secrets of your life, of your life, of your life. Lord, that every soul will have a taste, a taste of your life. A revelation, doors that will open up, oh God. Thank you. We give you praise. Thank you for the spirit here in this house. Your Holy Spirit that will minister for us, that will minister with us, that will minister in us. We pray, let there be a move of your spirit all through this morning. Father, I don't have my own things to say, but I pray, Lord, that... Come and quicken my thought. Impose your own thought upon my own mind. Lord, I want to help me to speak purely today. To speak purely out of your mind. Oh God, thank you. Open up doors of blessing. Channels of impartation. Impartation of grace. Grace. Grace, Lord. Put grace upon hearts. Thank you, Father. Give you all the glory. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good morning to you. Please appreciate the, the worship team. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Um, please help me th appreciate my wife. Thank you. 
so much. Thanks for leading us to worship God this morning. That was awesome and refreshing. Praise God and the entire worship team, Sister Sheung, Sister Ayo, Sister Chi. Who did I miss? Sister Tega. God bless you. Praise God and the musicians, all of them, please. Praise God. Okay, let's open our Bibles. Let's see. Um, First Peter chapter one. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Okay. First Peter one verse. Um, get up the loins of your mind. Verse thirteen. Are you there? Get up the loins of your mind and be what? Be sober and and hope to the end for the word grace that should that is to be brought to you at the word at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise God. If you go back to um, verse 10, out of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, right? Who prophesied of what? Of the grace that should do what? That should come to you. Praise God. Um, this grace, there's something about this grace um, I think we need to, we have to really understand. Um, from the language they're using here, you can tell that a lot is centered around this grace. Right? So they, from verse one, they kept speaking and they resolved it down to what, what the prophet said, that salvation. And that salvation, which they prophesied, was concerning the, the grace that should come to you. Are you seeing that? Yes, Praise God, and it was not saying you should be sober, you should get up the loins of your mind and hope to the end for that grace that should come. Praise Jesus. Uh, so the, um, actually, the way I see the journey, our, our spiritual journey is, is, all, is like a great endeavor to find grace, right? To access that thing called grace is a, is a spiritual thing, the spiritual, the spiritual commodity that is not easy to, to touch. You can separate men according to grace. Grace, you know, grace. Every man is ordinary until he finds grace. This kind of grace we're talking about. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So it's very clear that this grace is the is the great um, is the great blessing, is the great offering yes, sir. of the New Testament. Yes, sir. Uh, um, 
of course, when you move into grace world, there are things in grace world which you will come to, to have, but to touch grace, to come into grace, praise God, um, is a very significant thing. And so there, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of schooling that need to happen in, in spiritual things. Not just learning of, um, learning principles, but also learning the, the pattern and the way which the soul ought to take in order to come into this thing called grace. Praise Jesus. You know, it's not that easy to access grace. It's because of, um, it's because grace is not, uh, it's not a property of, of man. It's not something that, uh, it's not what our kind. We have things that we use for our life. You know, the natural man has the things, the natural man has the things that he uses for his life, but um, the, uh, God in his own economy, they also have their own things, the spiritual life, there are other things with the energy of the spiritual life is different from the energy of the natural man, you see that. So, but to break into that place, to begin to fetch a different kind of fuel, if I can use that word, a different fuel, the kind that God uses, you know God uses grace too? They call him the God of all grace. Praise God, the kind that God uses, the kind that Jesus uses. Even heaven is a gracious world. They use, they operate by a, a different energy entirely from what men use. Praise God. Hallelujah. First Peter 5 verse 10, he said, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Said after you've suffered a while, we will do what? Make you perfect, establish you, strengthen, and then do what? He will say to you, glory to God. Yeah. Now in, in 1 John, sorry, in John, not 1 John now, in John, it was saying there, John chapter one, that he said, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and he was what? Full. Full of what? Grace, and then full of what? Truth. Full of grace, and full of truth. And he said there that of, and of his fullness have we received, and what? Grace for grace. What he was full of was grace. What we should receive is grace. He said, the Lord came by Moses, but grace and what? Truth came by who? By Jesus Christ. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it's how um, there is two things I mentioned in that first Peter we are reading about how to come into the grace that should come to you. The, the prophesied of the grace that should come to you. That's verse 10. Then there are two things you need to do. Verse 13 is <clears throat> said you should gird up the world, gird up the loins of your mind and be what? Be sober. And you should do what? Hope to the end. So gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and then you should hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you. So guarding up 
praise God is something that we need to understand. Yes, you know, you can just read it and say, okay, guard up the line of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end now. If I say go and do it, do you know how to do it? How do you, what does it mean to guard up the loins of your mind? Because these things, if they are not in place, grace will not come. You will not be able to, to come into this grace that is to be, to be brought to you. I love the language that they use here. You know, the new creation reality types finalize everything about grace and say it has already happened. We've already obtained grace, right? They believe that by Jesus dying and resurrecting, everything about him has been given to you. You already have it, but he's saying it is to be brought to you, right? So, yeah, so you're talking about a grace. So when you're saying that that grace of his fullness have we received, all of those things in John chapter one, it's not a finalized thing. You can have a Christian who is without grace. It, that, that, that statement can be offensive in some circles. They don't like to hear such things, right? But it's true. You can be a graceless Christian. All right, not, not every Christian has come into the grace that Jesus, we know the law, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth, it, it came by Jesus. It doesn't mean you have it, right? Although he said that we received and grace for grace, I understand that. You need to understand tenses of the Bible. You also have to even wonder, are they talking, and when they say we, are you included? You know, there are many things you have to think about when you read those chapters. Praise God. You can't just take one chapter and run with it. If you, a chapter says, we have received, another one says to be brought to you, you should stop. <laughs> and you understand? Don't just take one and throw the other one away. You say, okay, if, you know, maybe there's a way in this, there's a sense that they are speaking of that we. Praise God. So this grace um, that should come, you know, in Hebrews he was saying that we should come boldly. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you come boldly to where the to the throne of grace, right? That throne, um, praise God. Hallelujah. You should come boldly to the throne of grace, so that you can first, you have to first obtain mercy, and then you can then what? You can find grace. You find grace to help. So there is the, when it comes to grace, there's an exploration involved. Uh, amen. amen, do you understand me? When it comes to having grace, there's what? And this grace thing, you should be interested in it. Don't, don't, be, don't settle for graceless life. Because everything that is undesirable in your Christian life is, they are, they are there because of lack of grace. Because the grace that should deal with those things are not there, praise God. The grace hasn't come. <laughs> so let us therefore come boldly. Let's see that Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly, come boldly. Okay, let's read it from verse 14. See that we have a word, 
high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You see, feeling is touched with the feeling. The, the, the word feeling there is, is not, is more than just your emotions. They are telling you that, that um, what they, it's not saying that when you feel, when you are, you are sad, Jesus feels sad too with you. Now, does he feel sad? Maybe, yeah, most likely he does, but it's not just, it's not speaking about the, uh, it's not speaking about him being able to relate in that sense. We know you're feeling something, right? This is not even feeling of emotions. It's talking about infirmity. Do you see that? It's not feeling sad, it's infirmity. It's not that you're going through a struggle and then you're sad. No, we've interpreted this place like that. But that's not what they are speaking about here. They are, they are, they are speaking about your, the things that, that make you not, infirmity means you're not firm, those areas where you're not firm in. Uh, right, that he, the, the way he's framed, that they framed him in such a way that he can be touched with that same feeling. The feeling means that infirmities could touch him as well. Right, that he doesn't have, he didn't, they didn't bring him with a kind of frame or a form that, that infirmities cannot, you know, have, uh, he, didn't, he didn't come firm. <laughs> he didn't come fully firm. They had to, do some things to make him firm. Praise God. So, so, he's, he's, so he had a nature when he came that was disposed to things that have that, this thing, what you call infirmities. Say infirmities. Infirmities. Infirmity, these are the plagues of the, of men. Right. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> But he said that he, we don't have an high priest which cannot be touched with the, with the feeling. So the word cannot be touched with the feeling means that even though he has overcome them, means that he's no longer infirm, but the feeling of them can touch him. It can, it can register in him. That the feeling of infirmity can what? Can register. In him, and based on that, that's how that's how he intercedes. That's why they had, they, they brought him to. The Bible says he was tempted in all points and all of those things. They brought him into the earth to pass through the earth, and he, he took a journey through the natural, the natural world of men, and then with all its. That's where he came into the land of infirmities, and he sojourned in the land of infirmities for years, praise God. And through that means, he himself was not, he, he was able to overcome, right? And he became better than everything. But through that journey, that was actually the development of his priestly 
credential. Praise God. The development of his priestly credential is that Jesus has a deep insight into infirmities. Do you understand that? He has the word. He has a deep, a very deep insight such that, that you know, for you to find a raw solution to a problem, you must have, there's a fellowship, you must have had fellowship in the world of that problem for some time. That was what Jesus came, Jesus came into the laboratory of infirmities. They, they made sure that all kinds of weaknesses were around him. Everything, and everything around him was weak and infirm. Even the souls around him, they were all weak people. It was, it was, he didn't go around the strongest of society. You know, people who know how to make their way, who can, who have economic power, who have all of those things. He didn't grow. He grew up, Jesus grew up around, around weak minds. Do you understand what I mean? Souls, minds were weak. You don't know the kind of people that were there. Some have been drug addicts, some have been just poor. You know, when someone is poor, there's a reason, eh? Like those guys in Nazareth, there's a reason why they are like that. There's something about their, their persons that is not according to natural order. And uh, they didn't excel in too many things. And then Jesus grew up in that. So you can't tell me that Jesus grew up without picking infirmities. I'm not talking about sins now. Do you understand? Uh, uh, Do you understand? I I, want to show you something. I'm not speaking just purely about sins alone. Sin can magnet your soul and cause infirmity. It will, that's what sin does. Sin breaks down, it's it's the agent of corruption. It disintegrates. When sin enters a place, it's like a virus. It begins to, to hack down things and tear things apart. So sometimes you can remove the sin, but there's still an infirmity. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. An infirmity can be transferred without sin. <laughs> when I say sin, I mean commission. Sin is, a, sin is a broad word. Do you understand? Sin is actually, sometimes you can look at sin as what was committed. But sometimes you can look at sin as the effect of it. It's very clear to you that Jesus did not sin, but Jesus inherited the effect of sins. Do you believe me? The effect of sins, whatever sin has done to men around him, when he grew up, as he was growing up, he was, you know, he was also taking waters from souls of people. He drank from his dad, from his mom. If he had friends when he grew up in Nazareth, he must have been drinking from them too. He would be drinking their infirmities. So when the, when the spirit, when there's a, there's a method of administration which the, the Lord must have been using to raise Jesus, right? They will, when they are, they, are, they are watching the, how is, the water of his soul is flowing, they will not, they will, when sin is coming, they will strengthen him against sin. But they will let infirmities through. Why? Because he has to deal with them. Are you understanding me? 
Because he has to do what? He has to deal with them. Jesus would, Jesus would have, Jesus would have had to conf, to deal with some nature properties of how Nazarenes behave. <laughs> Things that are that are, and this land, this area is not easy to see. It only it takes priestly eyes to separate the things that I'm, that I'm speaking concerning. You understand what I mean? There are, there are gravity of things in the spirit. It's not everything that is a sin. Some things can be from like when it comes to in the Old Testament, when it came to, comes to offering sacrifices in the temple, they will say there are certain kind of people by virtue of their nature, if they are shot, they are hunchback. They have some kind of deformities. They have not sinned. But you can't bring them to the temple. They can't come and do, and do offering because of their, those things are infirmities. They are not sin. They are like sicknesses almost, but they are infirmities. I won't even use the word sickness. I will just use infirmity about their, their frame, their design. And God said, because of the infirmities, so, so it means that in God's world, they still do not accept infirmities. Are you understanding me? So you see that priestly realm, this high priest which you are speaking of here was, so what gave him the credential to be your high priest is that thing, this thing here. He has the ability to be touched with the word, to the feeling. He knows, he knows the feeling of infirmities deeply. Glory to God. So, but was in, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So they are they are separating this sin that someone commits by yielding to temptation. They are separating actually that with this thing called feeling of infirmities. Praise God. Now, if Jesus didn't have infirmities, there would be no reason to raise him. Simple. That's a very simple logic. All right? So... It's very clear he wasn't a sinner, but God was raising him. What were they raising him from? Uh -huh. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, the Lord wants to open some things to us. You need to see, you won't understand grace if you don't know what grace is meant to solve. Do you get what I'm saying? What grace is meant, you won't understand, you will just lick the surface of grace. You will not know the, the full picture of what grace is meant to do to a person. You know, we don't, we don't see, we need help to see the, the full scope of our change, of our transformation, all that God wants to do to us. And there are a lot of things about you that you feel very weak concerning. The reason you are very weak, you feel weak about them is because you are not able to, they've not, you've not been able to cite the provision and if you are not able to see the provision, you, the grace for that, there's something that unlocks grace. It's called revelation. That grace that should come to you at when they are revealing who? This high priest called Jesus. They, are, they need to reveal him as they are revealing. What are they revealing about him? They are revealing, of course, what they reveal concerning him are the works that are in him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Made flesh. Dwelt among us. 
I love that word, made flesh. Made flesh. Now, the flesh which he was made was married to infirmities. The flesh that Jesus was made wasn't firm flesh. It was made flesh with infirmity. That John chapter 1, verse 14, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and what? Truth. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Now when they say that of, and of his fullness, we, we have received and grace for grace, so of his own fullness, we ought to receive, but the way of receiving that fullness is what Peter began to teach. That's, that actually, if you, want, if you able to step back and see the message of Peter, is this is really Peter's message. Peter's message was, is more about the souls excelling in grace world. Things that are in grace and things, other things, which there are things that rest upon grace. grace. Now, when you take a soul, make a soul gracious, that soul become qualified to carry other things. So it's a, a wall, do you understand what I mean? This is Peter's language. He spoke about these things in chapter, first Peter. Second Peter from chapter one, he started again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Praise, I don't know if, is that it? Second Peter, you see, verse one. Grace and peace be what? Multiplied unto you through what? The knowledge of God and of what? Praise God. Verse three, three. According as his divine nature has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to what? Glory and virtue. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. And godliness through his knowledge of him that has given us four whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having what? Escaped. Having escaped the corruption that is where in the world true lost. Praise God. So when he came to chapter two, he has moved into another section of grace, which is, in, he was speaking in chapter two, he began to speak more about truth. Right, which is, Truth is grace conserved, is how truth is the, is the, truth is grace in God, right? It is, it is grace, how God bears grace. Is that actually, just, just see grace, everything you know about grace, that's then, think about that in God. That is what you call truth. Is the, is the actuality of grace. That is what truth is. Do you understand me? So these things are, these are what Jesus is full of. Grace and truth. Grace and when what? Truth. It's grace and truth. It's grace and grace. Right? And that grace and grace is actually grace for grace. It's one grace 
for what? Another grace. It's, another, it's a grace. Truth is the grace that sits on grace. It's another kind of grace. It's the grace of another nature. You know, every nature has the kind of grace that operates that nature. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Back to that Hebrews chapter 4. Amen. You guys are Bible scholars, right? So it's time to learn Bible. This is, these are the secrets that the Bible are keep, is keeping, right? But you know, you need to, they need to help our mind to journey to this place where it's actually the real thing. And they have to explain. Explaining grace is not easy. Praise God. This thing has been inside my heart for weeks. It's just been there. And I, I keep seeing it, but they were not showing it to me by scripture. They were just showing it to me by, I don't know how to, um, amen. amen. I was seeing them in the person of Jesus. Yes. But I wasn't, I wasn't seeing, the scriptures are not too many in terms of explaining it. And, then, and daddy, has, daddy has been teaching this thing. Yes, this sir. is what daddy has been teaching yes, all these weeks. Yes, Praise God. Hallelujah. And thank God that God, you know, even throughout in our school of the spirit, all trans came um, and he taught all these places. Thank God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, did what? He was tempted like as we are, yet without what? Yet without sin. Then verse 16. That let us therefore come boldly because of this high priest who has this qualification. What is the qualification really in that place? Is his ability of, of to be touched by the feeling. He can, he can touch the feeling. The word touch means touch means it's not beyond you. Right? It's not beyond you. If if you come to me now and I you say I have a problem. And you describe the problem to me. But there might be aspect of your problem I might understand. And that may be based on my experiences, the knowledge I have, all of those things. And then maybe I will give you counsel. But what my counsel might not touch everything. Because there might be aspect about your problem that I cannot touch. Why can't I touch it? Because I don't have the qualification of either experience mainly to touch, but if maybe you came to me in a higher state where everything about that thing, I've had dealings about those things. The moment you begin to talk, I will begin to finish your statement. Okay, this one, that one, that one. Why? Because of I can touch. Are you getting me the feeling of those things? I have touching means I can, I have access to them. I can. They are not beyond me. They are not beyond. They use the word touch. It's almost like grass. Right. You can't, your infirmity cannot hide where Jesus can't touch them. Do you get what I'm saying? He can't, there is no kind of, there is no kind of infirmity Satan can make. You know, Satan is, a, is a, an inventor of infirmity. That's his own sense. He has a wicked mind. How to, he commit not but to kill, steal, to kill, to destroy. How do you destroy? How do you steal, kill? Stealing is, the, is to make something infirm. Yes. 
remove his life, disintegrate. The ultimate infirmity is destruction. When, when you make something hard, not firm to the point where it can never be put together again, that's when that thing has been destroyed. You see that, and that thing is Satan's, that's Satan's skill. He's, 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 um, he's competent in it. Do you understand? <laughs> he's what? He has grace for it. That's his anointing, that's anointed cherub. He brings, he can bring his being to bear on the thing, and he can, he knows what to do. He knows, he knows. Satan knows how to disintegrate a mind. He knows how to disintegrate a soul. He knows what to do to a, a person's mind to make that mind useless concerning things of God. And he can start trying to do it when a, a child is even young. From very young age, you just see the person who start thinking certain way. He knows how to do these things. He, he installed things in our, all our families, our lineage, our village, our tribe, our culture. Where we came from, he put things in, the, in those places so that, when, so that the product of these places will not be firm. You understand? You're seeing the depth of what high priestly ministry is trying to solve. They called it the desolation of many generations in the book of Isaiah. Say desolation. Of many what? So it means that for generations, there was heaping desolation upon desolation. I know when you say desolation, they're speaking of, desolation is a language they use relative to temple. Right, what, what do they want to make desolate is the temple of God. To, to make, it, make it desolate means to make it inhabitable. Let, let it become an, an um, abandoned property, an abandoned building. Make it so that God can never stay there. So that later he can then come there as, as, the, as the God and sit. Do you understand? That's desolation. So that desolation, say desolation, you can call it the 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 Progressive desolation should end in destruction. That's what he wants to do to the soul. Do you understand that? Yeah, so those things are deep. Say, ah, this guy thinks this way. So why do you think that way? You feel you think if I can just correct how you think, don't think like this anymore. You don't know that the reason why that way he's thinking is a product of product of another thought pattern that has a layer below. And that one is sitting on another one. And the deeper you go, the more invisible they become. After a while, they don't, manif- they don't sit as thought. They sit as impulses. They sit as feeling. Oh, I get what I'm trying to say. They are, they are depth of things that are stored, praise Jesus, in the soul. It's, it's done by an anointed being. Hmm? By an, a, a spirit, you understand that, who has caused, it has caused souls to take infirmity as, in, as inheritance. Then so that men pass infirmity from generation to generation. Praise God. Hallelujah. When Jesus came, he took his own. <laughs> right? That one, that one, his own was prepared. It's a body, it's a body as I, have they prepared for me. They, are, they designed it properly. A Nazareth body. God, 
Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Isaiah 61. So this is speaking about those who will, that, that will build the old, old waste places. They will raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities. The desolation of many generations. These are the people, these are the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Those people who the Lord will raise. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And all of them, they will be, will be gracious trees. They will be product of grace. No, no one, only entities of grace can deal with these things that Satan has done. It must be, it's grace versus grace. That was the anointed cherub that covered it. Can you have that anointing without a kind of gracious operation? No. Do you understand? It means that that grace there is, there's a, when you see Satan, not tiring. When you see him, give him a, a problem. Ah, this guy is too holy. You know, you know what I mean? He's too, ah, they don't like bad things. Maybe some spirits have tried to, they don't, they can't do anything. They now, now give, give him to Satan. To Lucifer, he doesn't, he doesn't have, he doesn't see a problem. Do you understand what I mean? He has, his heart doesn't fail. He has the, are you getting what I'm saying? Bring all your holiness, bring everything. The most righteous man on the earth. He doesn't, he can't make Satan like, what do we do? How can we, why is this guy like this? No, he has, there's something from him. It's called energy. Satan has the energy of destruction. He can, Satan, apart from just on the, on a micro, on an individual scale, he can stay over a nation for centuries. Are you get to, I'm trying to show you the, the, when you say your adversary, the devil. I'm not trying to magnify him or make you afraid. I'm just trying to make you see the reality of what we're talking about. He can stay by a nation for centuries. People will come and go. Governments will come and go. Think he's there. What, what did Isaiah say he does? He said, you who, who wicked the nations. Right, how are thou falling from heaven? Oh, oh Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground? That's as, um, Isaiah 14, right? Praise God. Praise Jesus. How art thou falling? How art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which deeds toward weaken the nation? So he's a, he's a weakener of nations. Praise God. So uh, when you say nation, say nation. Yes. You know, it's not hard to weaken nation. It's not, sorry, it's not easy. It's not easy to weaken what? It's not easy to weaken nation. Because nation have some kind of strength that they have. To weaken a nation, you must have wisdom behind what makes them a nation. Right? That's Satan for you. What makes them a nation? He has then go into that place and sow a wrong seed, and then 
over time, that seed will now begin to. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so when you see nation of the earth, now each nation have their own weaknesses. They have their own sins. You see some nation, you say this sin is peculiar to them. They do this kind of thing. They were not like that before. They had a particular kind of nature that the devil was able to sow a seed into. That thing, that then after a while you now see that that thing will change to become an infirmity that becomes almost like an inheritance that they begin to pass. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Go back to Hebrews quickly. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may do what? So we should come boldly to obtain mercy and then find what? Grace to help. Thank you, Jesus. Grace is um, amen. amen. Obtain mercy and then find grace to help in time of need. So these two things here, you see mercy and you see grace. Those are the two things that are called help in the spirit. Praise God. There are two things that are called what? When you say what is help, God help to man. That which comes from a higher place to help. Help is provision against something that is greater than you, right? To enable you beyond your infirmity. Help is answer to infirmity, right? Say help. All right, you see? So it's very clear that someone who has infirmity, can, his answer can come from where he, from within. There's a place where his help cometh from, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. The maker which made heavens and the earth. Praise God. So, so say help. That's one, one thing we need to, one thing that we need to be we, to be good with. We spend a lot of time, we, we waste too much time as Christians doing, doing worthless things. And uh, um, I, I don't want to say it's okay, it's not okay, but um, there were times when the Lord will endure it, right? Because maybe the emphasis of the church at that time wasn't dealing with some of these things. But now, time, days have changed. Now the days are evil. Right? The days are evil. What I mean is that the kind of powers on the earth to disintegrate the souls of men, they are too, they are too great at this time for Christians to be doing worthless things. You understand what I mean? And the amount of time it takes to recover things that have been stolen. 
do you understand? In his soul, to catch up with the, one of the dangerous things is when you are beyond, you are behind your time. You are in danger. There are some, when you think maybe about, maybe some older Christians who didn't have revelation, nothing, just simple Christianity. Some of them with their simple Christianity were above their time. In other words, when it comes to, when you match what they had, no, that's just simple devotion. Jesus, I love you. Pray every day. Give. Sing in church, dance in church. Simple kind of Christianity. To do that, some of them in their times were still ahead of their time because that, was, that thing was enough to keep them safe in the time which they lived in. You understand, but... You can't bring that level of things to this kind of day that we are living in. <laughs> you get, this is what some people don't see. You say, no, what a right, are you guys the only one? Are you the only thing? Are you the only, you don't understand where, what time you're living in. And most of the time, people who, says, who say such things just get close to their lives. You see this desolation, you see you know, you see disintegration. You see Satan is eating them. But there's no meekness to see. You know, are you getting what I'm saying? It's because of a blindness. So that's, you know, that's why you say, ah, are you the only one? Why are you even concerned if they are the only one? Why is that your business? Is there help there or not? It means that you're not sensitive to help. You are more sensitive to other things. Than, that you should not concern yourself about than help. Right now, in this, this world we are in right now, nobody should be thinking of anything but help. 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 We need help. Say help. We need help. To be helped from what? To be helped from the agent of destruction that have been, by virtue of our, how we have collectively managed our, the, the, our, our, our earth, the natural, the present. We have journeyed to a place where we've opened doors to all kinds of deadly spirits to come to the earth. Sorry, is everything okay? Thank you so much. This is help, eh? <laughs> Praise God. So what you're not seeing, that's what, that's the area that the help operates in. In the, in the, in the things you don't see. <laughs> Praise God. Praise Jesus. Say help. We need help. We need help. Glory to God. And there are many things about help. You cannot control how help will come, who help will come through. You can't pick and choose. No, I like this type of help. No, my help should sound this way. My help should come in this manner. You can't choose all those things. Why? Because by definition, help comes from a place beyond you and above you. Remember that common word, the beggar has no word. A beggar has no choice. You know you are a beggar. What are you, what are you begging for? Help. 
help, mercy, salvation. Every, all the things you cannot do for yourself. You have to beg God, God, please. Do it. I can buy a house, I can buy a car, I can go to school, but I cannot deal with my sins. And my, my nature. You can't do that. Just, just simple humility. These ones, I can't do these ones for myself. So, God, can you send help? You can't say, God, send help, but the help must be very nice and clean and very, must be compatible with this and that and that and that. No. Are you getting me? So if, if you have many, very, many criterias, you will miss the road. But if all you are thinking about is help, once the help comes, you will feel help. Yes, sir. You know, it's easy to feel help. Nobody can jam grace and not know it. Yes, sir. <laughs> but sometimes, a, pers- a person's foolishness can be more than do you understand? So when foolishness is too high, then after, when help comes, you say, ah, this help is nice, but why did they choose this one to bring the help? This one it doesn't look, uh, I don't like this method. <laughs> and God is such that, you know, that because the help is designed for the meek. It's designed for the poor. As long as you are scrutinizing it, forget it, you won't get help. So because of that, to make sure that help only goes to the meek and to the poor, he will make sure that help comes in a fashion that can easily be disdained. The help must come. See, help will always look that way, always. Help, you can easily disdain your help. You can easily rubbish your help and commonize it. Praise Jesus. Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and then what? Find grace. So you're seeing two things here that are that I call help, or the Bible calls these are help. When I, why do I summarize help as mercy and grace? Because anything that doesn't come from these two things cannot help you. Do you get if if your soul, anything that helps you. You can trace them to these things. Mercy. Say grace. Grace. See, mercy and grace are the things that flow from God. Say, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. They are are outflowing things, outgoing things from God that carry the, the, and they don't just come by themselves. There are things that when they flow from God, they bring things with, it, with them. They, uh, they're able to carry, they actually discharge of energy from God. I love, I love those laws of energy. They say energy can either be created or destroyed, but it can what? You know, that thing is, is correct somehow. And it, even in the spiritual terms, it, it holds somehow. So what, what it means is that if energy, there's energy here, you're able to dissipate that energy and it goes away. There's no other way energy can ever be here again except it comes from somewhere else. 
means it will not magically appear. Do you understand? That's why, so when we are without strength, that our strength is, uh, the, Satan, what he has been doing to man, he has been removing every single kind of energy or strength from the soul through disintegration. Praise God. And Hallelujah. what the soul has lost, that, that thing which the thief cometh not, but to remove, to steal, that what it takes away from the soul, there's no way to recover that thing back. You, you can't recreate spiritual energy. Do you know that? If you char- like you charge a battery, then you use up the battery. Is there any hope for the battery? Someone has to take the battery and you must pass charges back into the battery. Otherwise, there's nothing. It's gone, it's gone. Once it's off, it's off. Does your phone know how to regenerate, charge itself? With all its wisdom. You understand all the wisdom inside the phone. One thing it cannot do. You think about it, it can do many things, many things. Very smart, like all the computers and all. Hmm? I know this world has gone into, we've gone into artificial intelligence world and everything. Glory, I'm sorry, let me deviate a little bit. I just want to give you understanding through different ways to make you understand what I'm talking about. Like we're in the world of AI and some people are afraid that AI will take over the world. You know? Robots and all of that. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And I understand that, that, that to a degree. Because you have computers that are so smart, they can do all kinds of things. But just one thing that, you know, no matter how smart a computer is, once you unplug it, what will happen? <laughs> huh? What, what will happen? So, there's only one answer to all the smartness of the computer. It's called the off button, right? Just, you understand? Praise God. The only thing is, as long as men have designed things with the off button, we are okay. It's only when we are foolish and we don't have off button. <laughs> That's why. Praise God. So that will tell you that no matter how wise a program, how smart a program, there's something called energy raw. That thing you can, there's no substitute for. See those charges that flow from the, from the outlet into the, the, the machine that makes all those things happen. That is the, is the enablement. It's, it's called power. Say power. Power. Say, I have power. We, oh, we lost power. With all your gadgets and everything at home. Once that storm happens and the power goes down, what happened? Everything becomes useless. All your, say smart home. Smart home, smart, home, smart car, smart. We don't have smart fridge these days. Very soon we have smart bed. Praise God. <laughs> But no matter how smart your home is, what happens? Once just cut off that power, it becomes it goes from smart to what? To dead completely. Do you understand me? So are you seeing the are you seeing the sense of that thing? Say grace. Grace is spiritual energy. 
You can be, ah, you know all the scriptures. I can pray. We know what to do. But let grace dissipate. Right? All of a sudden, what happens? Nothing. Are you seeing the tangibility of that thing called grace? We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of, you know, so a lot of times the problem with humanity wasn't not knowing the kind of things to do. We just lacked grace. Knowing what to do and the ability to do it is not the same thing. And when you say that ability to do is a world of mystery, Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So grace, come boldly to the throne of grace and so we can obtain mercy. So the throne is called the throne of grace. Then you will now obtain mercy and then find what? Grace, grace to help in time of need. So um, mercy and grace are, they are two different kinds of energy in God. And inside this grace is truth. Do you see that? You see sometimes the Bible will say all their parts are mercy and truth. So sometimes instead of grace, they put truth. You see mercy and paired with truth. Now it's mercy and grace. Are you understanding? So, so, so truth is actually grace. Right, truth is great, but truth is divine grace. Is the is what you call truth is the grace. When they say the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared, that grace is truth. The grace of God, that God's own grace is actually truth. Amen. So, so it means that truth is help. Grace is help. But you see, now they're not showing you another kind of help too, called mercy. But you see, mercy is, um, amen. amen. Mercy is another kind of help right now. You see this thing called mercy is the, is the native energy of God. Now, I'm not talking about even the everlasting God. I'm speaking about the eternal God. Praise God. Uh, the eternal God, his what? His, his, his native energy, his inside, the energy that is operating in him. When you, when you plug into his own power supply, his supply of the eternal God is mercy. Mercy is actually his. So mercy is his energy. Do you understand? Yes, mm-hmm. It's different from grace. Grace is, praise God. Mercy, mercy and grace are two different kinds of helps. Mercy, you know, they are they are mercies, they are in plural. 
And when they speak about mercies, even the psalmist was saying they are even new every morning. Right, so there is the um, mercy has its flow. Where mercy can flow to, do you understand? Someone cannot have grace, but they can have mercy. Mercy does not have does not doesn't have lim, it's not limited. Yes. Mercy is um, mercy. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. When you are talking of mercy, don't talk, don't bring rule, don't bring anything. Any any frame you try to put box, you try to put mercy in. Mercy is higher than it. You understand? If you say, mercy, you can't go here. Why? You bring one law. Mercy always has a higher law than that law. Mercy will say, in the law of agency, of a, in eternity, there is, there is, are you getting what I'm saying? There is, because, why? Because mercy, mercy is not just divine. Mercy is the judgment of the eternal God. He doesn't, there's the way God thinks. God doesn't, when God's thinking doesn't include limitation. You know how the way you think, and your thinking has a perimeter. What I'm saying, you can't, it's hard to conceptualize it, but it's truth. <laughs> you understand? God doesn't see, there's no, there's no, he doesn't think in terms of limits, boxes, anything like that. It's, he thinks messy thoughts. So when God is operating mercifully, you feel like he's breaking laws. He's not breaking laws. God, mercy. Thank you, Father. Wow. You understand what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So that, that, that thing called mercy, to be honest with you, we can't really fully understand mercy. The truth is that the reason why they want to save you is so you can interact with mercy for eternity. When, when you now move into eternity, Mercy will have things to say every day that are fresh. You've been saved, though. It's not, that, it's not to build you up. It's, not, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the, are you getting me? It's like, it's like Jesus talking with his father. Do you think Jesus is ever bored? I, I've known everything now. I'm now like you. I've inherited you. We have sat on the throne together. All your judgments are inside of me. So they're just looking at each other. What else do I have to say? Anything that he wants to say to Jesus is already inside him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing to talk about. <laughs> do you think that's how we'll all be? After we've all sat on the truth, we'll all be looking like this. <laughs> we all know everything, so. <laughs> Nothing else to know. <laughs> Praise God. Jesus. Every, the, the father still has things to say. That when, when God mentions the Jesus. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, are you seeing mercy? When you think mercy, think endlessness beyond everlasting. 
right? That's, he called it newness, new every morning. It's the nature of mercy. Mercy, are you get what I'm saying? That's why, say, hey, this guy sinned, and this is his judgment. And then we agree, it's his judgment. Mercy will just come again. Mercy can just come again. When it comes again, it doesn't see anything before that. It comes with a new face. They say, they say, ah, but he's guilty. Yeah, mercy will say, yeah, that was yesterday. This is another morning. He can, he can see again. He's not limited. I get, I'm just using language to describe mercy to you. That of being new every morning is like, it's almost like when, mercy, when they are having mercy on you, your slate is always clean. Because there's nothing in, your, in you that, that binds the hand of mercy. Mercy transcends your weaknesses. It transcends anything. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Mercy, mercy's thought is always fresh. Every time, every time, every time mercy thinks it's fresh. Can you imagine a being who thinks a fresh thought every time? That's God for you. God's thought, he always thinks if, God's thought can never be stale. He always thinks new things. He always, are you getting me? <laughs> Why? Because of, he has a merciful mind. He has a merciful thought. That's God's nature. Are you getting me? And so that mercy is the, is the inward energy of God. God is merciful. He's plenteous in mercy. Praise Jesus. Now, grace is a bit different than mercy. Grace has dimension. Grace has kind of definition. Grace is actually a child of mercy. Do you understand that? Are you seeing? Grace is like what is a child of mercy. Grace is like a, a, a thread that is spun out of mercy. That, A, go and get this task done. That is, if you, if you know computer science, you know how you can spawn a thread. Out of a process, a thread will come out to do something, to get something done. And a thread can have a life cycle. Right, it can. Glory to God. So, let me tell you, mercy, so you see, mercy is, the actual, is, is actually your destination. Every soul is to end up in mercy. That's where God actually wants to bring you into, is to, in, into the mercy of God. That's where, that's that eternal realm, right? It's where God wants to bring you into, but God can start with you with mercy. So you see, the mercy you are going to can come at your, begi- at your beginning. That's the nature of mercy. Mercy can just be shifting itself and go and, go and find you. Uh-huh. Then when mercy has found you, mercy will now say, we have to have, give grace to him. Do you understand? We have to do what? Give grace. So it's very likely that if you can obtain mercy, 
chance has been given to you to find grace. Do you understand? It's to, so if you, are, if you have mercy, you, don't, you never come into grace. You've not fulfilled the cycle of help. Right, you've not fulfilled what? The, the cycle you've not fulfilled the cycle of help. You've not, for, for every mercy that you obtain, there's a grace that should come to you. Yeah, there's a grace that should come to you. For every mercy you obtain, just know that every time they have mercy on you, there's a grace that should come. Praise God. Glory now. So, think of mercy now in this way. Don't, not, Talking, it's the same thing, maybe mercy in God's mind, how mercy sits in God. But the nature of mercy, mercy is the energy of revelation. Or mercy is the energy of exploration. Anytime an exploit is done, Mercy is involved. Do you agree, sir? Anytime, when I say exploit, I mean the shifting into something new. Anytime that occurs to the soul, anytime there is a smell or a hint of newness in things that pertain to God, mercy is an operation of mercy. Do you agree? So it means spirit of wisdom, revelation, they are all children of mercy. Right. Every time newness is involved, anything new, a new thought, a new revelation, a new insight, a new knowledge, a new comprehension, anything new, when it's new, mercy is involved. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what energy is an energy. Uh-huh. So, I describe it first of all, how it sits in God. In God's mind. That what makes him ever fresh is mercy. It's an, it's an ongoing program of newness. That's why Satan can never catch him, can never stop him. Can never, it's possible that all Satan ever had was one photograph of God. And, that's all he has been dealing with. That was, I will be like the most high. That, that most high you thought he wanted to be like as that one was. You understand? When they took the photo that they put, that they gave him, you know, when he wake up, woke up and saw himself, oh, I'm most for some of the morning. They just crafted him based on a particular capture of God and they distilled things from God's, that, that picture and then they framed him. You understand what I'm saying? So when they said, I will do this, I will ascend into the height of the cloud, I will, I will. He doesn't know that God's thought has advanced billions and trillions of ages since that picture (laughs) that he took. That's why he's always working for God every time. Every, when he when he means something for evil, it will turn out. <laughs> do, you, do you get what I'm saying? So, so you see that thing of that thing of 
God is a is a is, a, is in a constant state of exploration of the universe of Himself, which is ever expanding. All right, the physical universe is a type of Him, kind of. You know, it's, the universe is constantly expanding. Where is it expanding to? We don't know. Where is its dimension? We don't know. It's just a time. It's just, those are just thoughts that God just threw that for scientists. Go and kill yourself with this thought. <laughs> Little idea. Those are the area that scientists get to and they start crying. <laughs> Praise God. You know, the, the glory of science is always in an area. You know what I mean? Just shift the science. Scientists be out of that zone. What will happen? Hopelessness will set in. And God always makes it that way. Eh? Thank God for science. Amen. But God is greater than science. But I'm trying to show you the mind of God. So that operation of mercy is to, to bring something new to you. And you cannot save a man without giving him new things. Right? First appearance of new things comes as revelation. Yes, sir. Do you see that? Say revelation. Revelation. Revelation knowledge. When it's time to help the soul to journey. So the, the mercy that comes first as revelation knowledge, it comes to give you a chance to journey, right? And that word of journeying is to be built up. So if you want to define these helps, I want to define your helps. The first kind of help you deal with is the, the help or the energy of revelation. Right? Then, which is mercy. But then there is another thing called energy of building. It's called grace. Mercy is the energy of what? Exploration. Grace is the energy building. Exploration and building are not the same, but, but exploration and building are the two aspects of advancement. Right? When you say, oh, an advanced nation, they did two things. They explored and they built. They explored and they built. You see that? The journey of inheritance involves those two things. The world of inheritance is, you can sum up taking of inheritance as exploring. And then what? Explore. And then what? At those things, you need help for both. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. That means in your journey of inheritance, you should be able to perceive when mercy is coming. And then also perceive when grace is coming. You should be able to be traversing be between grace and mercy. Your soul should be dealing between grace and mercy. 
the mercy expands the frontier of your sojourn, right? Grace brings establishment in that frontier. So mercy is designed to keep pushing your soul. You see, it's, mercy is sitting, is controlling your, the pace of your, of, your, of your journey of inheritance. Okay, let's open up this fresh door. Let's open up, that's messy talk. It's messy, messy conversation. Let's open it, let's just open, let's open this. Praise God, let's open this door. Let's, open, let's take it further. Mercy is what brings, is cause a, bomb, cause a bombardment of new things into your consciousness. It's sowing of new seed into your consciousness. Now then the, the husbandry, the power of husbandry to cause the seed to germinate and grow up and become fruitful is grace. It's grace energy. Are you getting what I'm saying? But, but mercy is the, is the giver of the seed. So it means that the inside God is a is a barn is a is a barn of seeds. Is a storehouse of seeds in, in, in the house of mercy. God's mercy. And then there's an administration of the spirit over how they distribute seeds of God and they give them to souls. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. In that first Peter quickly, let's see um, first Peter chapter one. To gird up the loins of your mind, right, and be, be sober and, and hope to the end for the for the grace that should that is to be brought unto you at the revelation. So, when when you've got into this this point of revelation of Jesus Christ, of course, the mercy operation is like a, a season of mercy. Anytime you're in this time of revelation, you know they have mercy on you. Eh? Hmm? But then there is a then there is a further work that needs to be done too. In a season when mercy is upon you, mercy is over you, it's very clear. Right? When you ask me, ah, how did I find myself in this thing? I find myself in this way, something that was happening to you. It's an operation, it's called mercy from God. That Mercy is powerful. Mercy is, like I said, mercy is the, is the drive of exploration. And exploring in God is not part by conscious means, right? You can't consciously explore God. There's something to explore God. 
the mercy that drives you, your exploration. They will just be doing something around your life, the providential hand of God to shift you. Okay, we have new things for this soul in that company. Let's find a way to shift them into that place. Let's try to find a way to create the environment where these new things, new thoughts can come to them. Right, and then that, see that mercy, mercy can be over a people for decades, for years. And see, out of that mercy, dispensation of the oracle, mercy makes oracles open. You realize that the oracles of God, that's, that's a sign of mercy, is access to oracles. And you see that, that oraculous thing, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It's not prayer. You cannot pray for oracle to open like in that kind of way. You can't through machinery of prayers in that sense. Now, you can pray for mercy. Well, when you are praying for mercy, that prayer, you can't say, God, give me mercy for this thing in this particular way. If you pray like you don't understand mercy, <laughs> then you just, just ask for mercy. You don't know how mercy will operate. The wisdom of the exploration of mercy, how they will drive things around you, you don't understand that thing. But you can pray for mercy. Today, you can be praying and asking God for mercy for the, maybe your next 10 years, for the, next, for the rest of your life. Right? So don't joke with prayers. That's one, one thing you must be praying for is mercy. You must, be, you must constantly ask God, Lord, have mercy. You know what I mean? When you are praying for mercy, it's not that God doesn't know you should have mercy on you. It's just that they have to, the heart, you understand? There's something about the heart. It's not, it's not about God giving. When it comes to mercy, the giving part is done. It's easy. Prayer is no more, it's, it's less about God giving than you receiving. Prayer is about you receiving. That's the problem. That, that the main prayer, problem prayer wants to solve is how can men receive things from God? So, so prayer is actually a way to help your heart. You know how they say that those who observe lying vanity, they forsake their own mercy. So why, why would they call it their own mercy? It means it's, it's been given to them. It's not that God, so you can have a mercy that has your name on it. It's your own, but you can forsake it based on what you observe. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So you see that thing of observing lying vanity, sometimes, that sometimes prayer can help, you, help the heart to, you know, to be focused on on what is the what is the what makes soul observe lying vanity? What is what is that vanity there? Vanity is anything that cannot help you. In summary, if you want to define vanity, is something that's not helpful. It doesn't have any. It's no use. It has no <laughs> no value. Vanity means something that's valueless. Right? It can't help you. Something that is helpless, right? So if the soul observes lying vanity, it means it's a soul that is not in tuned to help. You are not, your soul is not tuned to, to being helped. It's not every state of the soul that is tuned. You should be maximally and optimally always tuned to help coming to you. Do you understand what I mean? 
And that's one thing that prayer does for you. That's one of the, the main purposes of prayer, is to tune your soul to what helps. You know, you know that, that thing where you, if a person is maybe, God is trying to bring help to you because of your, your judgmental, your this, you have issues, you have blockades, you have definitions, because a lot of times you don't pray well. You can't go from begging God for help to getting up and judging everything and, being, and having criteria and standard. They don't just fall into the same kind of mindset, you understand? <laughs> a lot of times when you are, too, you are too like that, it's because you have too much confidence in yourself. You are too, you are too, um, you, you're not, you don't perceive your helplessness. That's one, one nature that you should have. It's a constant disposition of heart that you should have. It's, a, it's where you are constantly helpless. See, that, that's in what helpless nature. When you, are, when, you, when you are helpless, your heart, you won't conclude things too easily. You won't speak evil of things you don't know not of. You'll be more careful. You won't have confidence in yourself. Are you getting me? You, you will think and think and think and think again. You will, you will be circumspect. You walk circumspectly, not as fools. Do you understand? It's a nature. He said, walk circumspectly and not as fools. Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. It's a nature for evil days that you ought to have. If you have a rash behavior, no, this is not about you. Are not, you will be, that your rashness, the evil day likes it. Continue. You speak evil against pastors, speak evil, people think you know not, nothing concerning. The evil day, yeah. Why did the pastor do that? Why didn't this one, why didn't that? Are you getting what I'm saying? What is staring you is what is devouring your soul. One thing I know is that criticize pastors from now to tomorrow, you can never save your soul. As wretched as you were before, are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> I know, well, there's one thing that the devil is doing is, is making souls more bold to attack sacred things. Because those sacred areas, that's where help will come from. Channels of help. When God says, okay, I want to help you. You think it will help you in your, in your backyard, in your, in your bedroom, by yourself. God doesn't help men that way. God brings help through to channels, through means. Why? It's for a reason. For a reason. It's to keep the integrity of that thought of of mercy flowing to the weak. God will make sure that if help wants to come to you, I won't just bring it to you because you can be proud about it. Mm. Yeah. So why you just come, I'm a, I'm a man of help. <laughs> <laughs> no man can help me. Only God helps me. <laughs> <laughs> I receive help from God. I am a man helped by God. I need nobody. 
you will be proud you will be. So God will, God, God, God will check, a lot of times, when God checks you, you will not say, okay, what's the, most easy thing, the thing that's most easy for you to disdain in your environment? You will check it. Maybe all your friends, all your, around you. What's that thing that is the most easy for this guy to disdain? Okay, let's, let's pass this help to that place. <laughs> that's God's nature for you. I'm so sorry, that's how God is. That's just how God is. That's just how God is. So you see, a lot of people, are, they are too high. They are more higher than their help. They are more educated than their, than their help. They speak better English than their help. They, they, are more, they are smarter and wiser than their help. They are more good looking than their help. You, you understand what I mean? <laughs> See, help. Where God puts help, Kai. And Satan knows that about God, so he frames men against help. He will pump you up, make you high, make you have standards which God did not create. Self-righteousness is the great enemy of help. When a man justifies himself, as righteous as Job was, there was still something. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, that was the real problem of Job, that thing. You know, Job was the right, God was the one who said it. This is a righteous man. Look, have you found, meaning in all the earth, there was actually no one like him. No, that was what the, God said to Satan. Have you found my servant Job? There's no one like him in all the earth. But God, God, by his own standard, he still had things. Job still had some things in him. Those three guys, they came, they spoke everything. They couldn't touch the matter. After a while, God now began to speak to Job. Mouth to mouth. Began to tell him some. Right? You know, God's main problem with Job, he justified himself. And it's not, it's not, that pit is not a hard pit to fall into when you are the most righteous man in all the earth. So even though he was more righteous than all the men, it still gives him no right before God to justify himself. And then God played it out that let's put this, this righteous Job in a situation where he needs help. Job wasn't used to that. He wasn't used to, to needing help. He had things, he had cattle, he had children, he had everything. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. God now began to tell him things beyond him. God began to, from nature to the sea, to the air, to the mountains, to all kinds of things, even to the angels. Or just telling him, do you know, do you know about all these things? <laughs> Why is to make, is to impart what? Meekness. Know who you are dealing with. You are dealing with the Almighty. Means that when you are dealing with God, you have no reason to be proud. You have no reason to be pumped up. The reason why men, men um, are puffed up is because we compare ourselves with ourselves. And the episode, he said, You comparing yourself with yourselves, you are not wise. I say, I'm higher than that one. 
this one, the other one, the other one, the other one. <laughs> so you now shift your gaze. What about the other ones? The other ones. The heart is what? You're, you know, even thinking like that, is, your mind should not be framed. You should always be the least. And then, and then you should love it. You know that thing of loving the least, being the least and... No, no, why don't my friends, why don't they treat me at the same level? Why don't they talk to me with the same respect? You understand? Why can't you just take the position as I am on, I am their little... Yes, sir! You understand? Ah, even when they talk to me, oh, wow, even when they give me honor, oh, my God, I don't even deserve that. Who am I? Who am I? Amen. You should never see yourself relative to people. You should see yourself as a helpless man before the almighty God. Naked. And you know when they naked us, man, the things that are there are not too nice. You understand? <laughs> you know that the, the soul can, you know, the, way, the way Adam went to go and before he knew it, he has covered everything. That kind of, you know that that Adamic thing is still in every person. Yes, that seed. As long as you have that seed in you, you know how you cover yourself. It's not physical. Yes. It's inside. It's, it's in your, it's in your self-perception. It's in, it's a, your, that, there's a consciousness that you have where you are, you delude yourself into thinking that you are covered from God. If you see yourself as naked before God, you'll be humble. If you just, your, your humility will come very easily. Very, very, it will just be natural to you. <laughs> very simply. When you just, every time you perceive God as seeing you naked, all your thoughts, all your intentions, all your motive, is the most secret of the secret ones. Just see it as, as you are thinking it. Just, you just saw it. And that's the way God sees us. Yes. We are naked before him. He is naked before him, not, not this one. Um, praise God. For whom we have to do, right? That's before God. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. So that criteria of poverty of spirit, poverty of heart, it makes you compatible with mercy. Blessed, you know, in the Old Testament, David was a case study of mercy. He was the, David was the teacher, was a, his life was the thesis of mercy. If you want to learn how mercy operates, where does mercy go to? Where does mercy run from? Just study David's life. Everything around David, you will understand. How did they choose? They left the other brothers. Mercy was looking for him. The non-entity. Who didn't even see himself as anything to start with? Mercy likes that. Uh, yeah, uh -huh. You don't see yourself. Yeah, we'll come to you. Why is it? It's because what mercy wants to do with you, if you are proud, there's no point. Do you get what I'm saying? Can mercy take you on an exploration when you have a map and GPS with you and you already know where you are going to? You've already plotted out your journey and everything. 
we'll go here, we'll stop at this point, we'll take break at this point, we'll do it. You've plotted, plotted everything. And that, you know that plotting is confidence. You know what you ought to do. You, you, just, you just feel like maybe you just need two or three inputs from God, you know? Just those three things that are left in the puzzle that you are not really fully seeing. And then those three ones are the ones you take as your prayer point. And say, God, in this thing I, 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 I plan to do, this one, this aspect is not making sense. In my life right now, there's this area. This, can, you, can you deal with these other ones? I guess what I'm saying. That's that kind of prayer. And then, mercy is, because uh, what mercy wants to do, mercy is energy of exploration. Mercy wants to take you into new terrain. It wants to take you, it wants to move you into areas that your, has not even come into the consciousness of your soul. It means that your map should be useless. Your GPS should be useless. All the things in your life that you feel are okay, that you don't like to pray about, you should lose confidence in them. Are you getting me? That kind of, that kind of state, then mercy will say this one. It's not because mercy is proud and they don't want anybody like them. They want everybody to just be humble. It's because mercy cannot function in your life when you are not meek and broken. It's because the ways of God are so far from yours. My, uh, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as the heaven is from the earth, so is my ways. How? How can, how can then take, they take your mind and join God's thought with it? How would they... Are you getting what I'm trying to say? A person who's a candidate of mercy is a soul who doesn't have criteria. In fact, sometimes when God is really really bent on having you, they will now begin to introduce things to dismantle your confidence. They will begin to tamper with things in your life. You see the things that happened to Job to get him to that state where he can have that conversation with God. It's possible that if God wanted to say those things, God wouldn't be hearing. He would just be hearing his righteousness, his righteousness, his righteousness, all of those things. He wouldn't see the need to consider those things. Maybe Job was seeing himself his cattle, his household, the area where he's doing nice things. He has never considered the deep Leviathan, Orion. Are you getting what I'm saying? He hasn't sat down to meditate on the nature of a horse before. Who's a creature of God? You know those things that God was mentioning? <laughs> I love that, I love that thing. They, they had to put Job's life in turmoil. Turn his life upside down, scatter everything. And then they say, and God spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. And Lord answered Job out of where? The whirlwind. What's the whirlwind? and said, it means that God wasn't talking to him as a person. So who is this that darkness counsel by words, words without knowledge? Hey. It was God speaking to Job. <laughs> Guard up now thy loins like a man. 
For I will demand of thee, and thou answer me. Oh, yeah, see question. So, so this is this is righteous man Job, right? <laughs> so God was speaking to righteous man Job. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it if thou has understanding. What is talking here? This is mercy talking. Right? Mercy. This mercy that came out of the whirlwind was the one responsible for everything that was happening in his life. It was actually mercy that was talking with Satan. When, when they asked him that question, they, they have decided to have mercy on Job. It's just outwin the job to be done in this guy's life. Who, who will do it? That guy who walks to and fro and up and now. So please, can you call him? Are you seeing it's just to have mercy on this man? Look at all the, all the things that were ongoing. I don't know how many binding and casting did Job do? How many fasting and prayer? His children kept dying. Maybe after one, after one long fasting, they would just say, ah, this one has died, daughter. They say, hey, we didn't fast, well, let's fast again. So it means mercy is beyond fasting and prayer. Yeah. We are talking about the, the world of dealing. Strange, because of what Satan has, the enemy has done to the soul, the, where, they must, where God will come from, he will come in a, in a mysterious manifestation. Mercy man, manifests as the whirlwind. No, whirlwind is not wind. You know wind, you can plot direction in a way. You know, have you seen those wind vectors? They will show you the wind, southwest wind today. All those, uh, can you do that for the whirlwind? <laughs> whirlwind is a different thing. You cannot track its. Are you getting me? So it's clear to you that the wind of God is merciful. Right? When the Holy Ghost manifests as wind, it's a merciful operation. Anytime they want to do something new, it must be windy. Right? It must be windy. Mercy. Anytime you see a windy move of the spirit, it's mercy at work. It is, it is coming to disabuse the, the sophistication of, of the minds of men. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Out of the wind, started coming questions that Job can never think about. Is to push the boundary of his concept of God. Because, you see, the most difficult man to deal with is a righteous man. Yes, Where sir. do you start from? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where do you begin from? To deal with him. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. But God will help us. We will not forsake our mercy. Yeah. Because we will not observe lying what? 
vanities. We will allow your heart to constantly. There was a time that all I could ever pray for was mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. I didn't even, I didn't have revelation about it. That was the funny thing. Now year of 2011, strange things happened to me. I didn't know. I just kept praying for mercy. I've never been taught message about it before. I just kept praying for mercy, mercy, mercy. When the Lord asked me to fast and pray, I didn't have prayer point. I just kept asking God for mercy, 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 mercy. Then one day the Lord spoke to me clearly at night. He said, call upon me, I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things, which thou, thou what? Which thou knowest not. That's the, that's the talk of mercy. Why would he say, and he was talking to Jeremiah, that was Jeremiah. Why would he say, call upon me? I will answer. Okay. Why don't I just come and answer? Why don't I just come and show it to you? Right? You could have just said, hey, I've decided to show you greater mighty things which thou knowest not. But he said, hey, call upon me. Maybe before you call, at the state you are in, you are not, you are not positioned for merciful dealing. So begin to call upon me. There's something that you're calling, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So just keep calling. So you see that thing about calling to God. You see this, the prayers we do. I say, pray, pray for mercy. Prayer is not telling God something he doesn't know. He has already decided to do what he wants to do. It's just, we just need your heart to fall. Be broken enough. Need, have need for it. Come into realization of your wretchedness, of how helpless you are, how much you need it. That's one thing prayer does to you. You know, prayer, when you are praying, know that your tongue is not ordinary. Through tongues, you can fetch impulses from your spirit man, right? Because your spirit doesn't live in, your, in, the, in the world of your lusts. Right? It's your soul that is trapped in the, the world of your lusts. Your spirit man is living in Christ. And, in, and in, in Christ, his perceptions are true. Do you understand? That's, what, that's one key thing about why you should pray in the spirit frequently. Because when you pray in the spirit, impulses from your spirit man comes from you. When it's hard for you to pray well without attaining some attitude of what? If you go too long without praying, you will start behaving. Before you know it, you start walking a certain way, you start talking. Your way you talk will be changing gradually. You become very, very sharp. You won't be grave. You won't be. <laughs> Do you understand? Because there's something prayer does. Prayer puts your soul in touch with another reality that imposes meekness upon, yes, upon your soul, upon your heart, which is needed. Do you get me? So, see, the attitude of calling upon him, when you're calling him, there are many things involved in calling unto him. First of all, the acknowledgement of him, of who he is, as your help, as your source. Acknowledgement of, why will you call him if you have everything in place? It means that there are things you lack. You have need. Then in that calling, there are many things there also. It means that there's nobody else who can help you. Yes. There's nothing in your environment who can help you. You, are, you, are, you need something beyond your devices. Are you seeing those acknowledgements? They should sit in the soul. One of those things that have rested in the soul is time for mercy. 
you have just rolled out the carpet for mercy to operate in such a soul. He said, I will, I will now begin to answer thee. And I will then show thee. I said, show thee great and mighty things which thou. This is the mandate of mercy to every Christian. To show you great and mighty things is exploration. This is mercy. Praise Jesus. I love the word which thou knowest not. So it means if, if thou knowest it not, you can't judge it. Because you are not in a position to say, hmm, this, I don't, me, I don't agree with this one. I don't like, based on what are you not agreeing with it? You understand? Because this is beyond things that is which thou art. Aha. Which thou knowest not. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's mercy. Exploration. Revelation. Insight. Fresh thought. I want you to open your heart to mercy. It's not just scriptural revelation. Mercy operates in many To bring your soul in, on into a new season, they will do it in many ways. It might be bringing a new friend to you, bringing a new person into your life, bringing maybe a new challenge. Because the soul is complex. There are some things they must do to the soul to shift the soul to a place where it's open to fresh things like they were doing to Job, you see? You might not have connected Job having sickness with the revelations which God brought concerning his self-righteousness. But it might have been impossible for God to bring that revelation without doing certain things in his life. You understand what I mean? So one of the things that God did, there, deep things. Now, now, you see all those Job's Three friends. It's possible that those were his his kids. What do they call him? His huh? His right hand man. The guys were. If nobody has the answer in this world, these are my guys. I mean, you call them. You know, maybe they were fellows in righteousness. <laughs> you get. But God had to make Job. They, they came to Job, and after talking and talking and talking to him, Job found no answer in the things they were saying. They were unable to comfort Job. So it might have taken such a situation to, to expire Job's confidence yes. in those men. Yes. You don't know the kind of things that are stopping you from hearing what God has to say to you. Sometimes it's the, it's the, it's the counsel you are used to. Enough of time, when God is coming in one way, because it doesn't sound like the kind of counsel that you are used to, you disdain it. You forsake your mercy. So God had to allow these guys to expire, expire themselves. You know those guys who have PhD in counseling, and they talk and talk and talk and talk. After talking, there was no answer. God now raised one small boy called Elihu. It was earlier when I began to tell Job, look, all these guys that have been saying things, they've, they've been talking, but they've not been saying anything. He thought, you see, he told him, he advised Job, he said, look, old men are not always wise. Neither the multitude of years always teach wisdom. It's not a guarantee. The gray hair is not a guarantee of wisdom. 
The number of decades in ministry doesn't mean you, are, you have wisdom in what you are saying. He's talking about the established, the establishment of wise counsel. God had to raise a young, young guy. Verse 7, he said, now Eli who waited till Job had spoken. Because they were elder than he, all of them, Job and his Job's friends. Because they were elder than he, he waited. Verse 5, he said, when Eli who saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. Verse 6. And Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore was I afraid, and does not show you my opinion? Verse 7. I said, they should speak. It means those guys, those older guys. Let they speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Let's listen to your old age. We have experience, we've been here, we know everything about God, this is how God does, this is how the principle, God does it this way, everything. I said, okay, let's, most of years, do what? Teach wisdom. Verse eight, but there is a spirit in man, and the, the word inspiration is breath. I think the New King James calls it breath. The inspiration of who? The almighty. Give it them. The, 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 the breath of God is mercy. This inspiration. When you hear the word inspiration, is a merciful operation. So, so inspiration is God's breath landing, God's breath landing on you. It's like a, it's a communion with the nostrils of God and your own. Now, that communion is coming to you as inspiration, but it is God's breath. That's what he breathes in. That, that is his, do you understand what I'm saying? That's mercy in God is his breath. But that breath can come to a man. It, becomes an, it can become an inspiration in him. He said, when that inspiration comes, it giveth them. Understand? The inspiration of the Almighty. It means the other guys, they had age. They had years. They had all that. But they lack the inspiration. Let me tell you something. Thank God for experience. Thank God for multitude of years. Gray hair. This is Bible. The inspiration of the Almighty will always supersede experience and great gray hair. So if those who have gray hair are wise, they should look for the inspiration. Don't get older than inspiration. Don't get what? There's nothing wrong with age and being old and all that and having experience, but don't have experience without inspiration. You will cause problems. You will lead many astray. After a while, you start fighting God and you think you are working for him because you've lost touch with his breath. When you lose touch with his breath, he can change direction. You won't know you are going in the same direction with the same zeal and passion. You're going, you understand what I mean? Jesus. Glory to God. And that's what happened with this guy. He said that there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty give them what? Understanding. Verse 8. 
Then he says, great men are not always wise. Hey, do you see that? It might have, t- used, it might have taken wisdom to make them great. But the fact that they are great doesn't mean they are always wise. The moment they, they fall below inspiration, the wisdom becomes stale. You understand? So it means that you can't just depend on the greatness of men. You might be, that can be deceptive. Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. Quickly, verse 10. Therefore, I said, hearken to me, I will show my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasons, whilst you search out what to say. Yea, I attended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words. Lest you should say, we have found out wisdom. God trusted him down, not man. It was Elihu that figured it out. Hey, stop binding Satan. <laughs> Casting all of that household enemy. It's actually God. It took Elihu to come and bring, unveil the, you understand? So it was, it was Elihu that tuned Job to hear God. Do you understand? Are you seeing that? Not to depend on his counselors. It was Elihu. Say, you, you're not seeing this whole thing. This, this is not household and forces. No, no, this is God. God had trusted him down and what? Not man. Verse, verse 14. Now he had not directed his words against me, neither will I answer. Let, let, and you can read those things later in your time. But you get, you get the, the idea of this thing. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. The Lord wants to make you, your soul tune, in tune with help. Discern the season of help. Don't be foolish. Don't, no, the worst thing is for you to be, you know, you know, probably said that if a fool is in honor and understanding it not. Right? That word honor means the privilege of exploration. Right? Because it's the glory of God to conceive the matter. The honor of kings to what? To search them out. That means an honor. But Solomon was saying a, a man, a fool, can be in a place of honor, but he doesn't know. When you are in a season where the mystery of God begins to open, it's an invitation of mercy. Come and search me out. Come and search me out. It's possible that the soul, because of observing of lying vanities, can forsake their mercy. See, there's a mercy. Let me announce to you, if you don't know, there's a mercy over your, over your head. In this time, in this season, on these days of, on the earth, there's a mercy over us. Praise God. I will not forsake it. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So in that season of mercy, while you are, you know, you should be, there is a kind of labor that, that occurs under the canopy of mercy. Under the season, when you check under the cloud of mercy, where mercy rain falls, right? Under that cloud and season of mercy, check there, you see laborers. Those who labor under mercy, are gracious liberals. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Yes. What makes them gracious? They don't labor in vain. Yes. Do you understand that? They don't what? They don't labor. Why? Because they labor with grace. They labor graciously. Do you get what I'm saying? Because the reign of mercy is grace, right? When the cloud of mercy is over a people, it begins to pour in. It's grace. Begins to descend upon souls. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, when you have a cloud with water, you don't need to hack the environment to create artificial irrigation to do it just for the seed to survive. You don't need too much of manual labor. You just need there's the, 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 the a husband's man, a husband man laboring under a cloud of water. His, his labor is different from the one laboring in the desert without. Do you understand? One of them is happening graciously. When you, when you check the fruit they will produce at the end, they will look different. With all the labor of this other guy, when you buy the fruit, ah! you try though, he, he managed to irrigate everything, but man, it can never taste like what? That the, like the one that's receiving fresh irrigation from above. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So grace, out of its fullness have we received grace for grace. Right, we've understood that mercy thing, right? But grace, when you are surrounded, your heart, they've helped you, you're fallen, you're broken, you're meek, you're positioned to have the right attitude in a season of revelation or a season of knowledge, you now begin to now change tune and, and get your eyes focused on how you labor, which is, it's, the, it's, an, it's an inward it's kind of an exploration. It's not exploration in that sense, but it's a, an inward task. It's a finding, it's called finding of grace. That's the, that's the first, the main task. Once you notice you are in a season of mercy. You labor to keep your heart right in that season. So, your, so the exploration can continue. Then what you now begin to turn your attention to is finding grace. Finding grace. You must find grace. Because as long as you are perceiving mercy, there's grace somewhere. Grace is around. There is grace for you. There is grace that should come to you. Grace is not far. See, it's not far. There's no grace is not far in this kind of place. In this, this day and time you are living in, grace is not far from you. Forget about your family history, all those things I have. Forget about your challenges, your infirmities. Look more at the season. Be more encouraged about the season that God has put you under. Have more confidence in the providential hand of God to get you to the place where you are in. Trust in it. And then find what? Find the grace for building up. Glory to God. Be sober. Cannot be loin of your mind. Hope to the end for the grace. What do you mean by hope to the end? Don't stop. 
Don't stop until you found the grace. We, we don't have time. We'll look more at Peter, but... So I'm seeing this, I'm just, I'm seeing the Old Testament, I'm seeing God. Now, you know, the journey of, that journey of inheritance we are speaking about. Thank God, God was able to take them across the sea. They now began to make war. You know that the actual inheritance, actual inheritance, actual inheriting, was not completed by Israel in the flesh. How do I know? They are still fighting it today. It means that they never got to salvation. And God did that to show that it's just the physical type. It's not perfect. So even when they finally they got the land and all of those things, they, they got to the land they stayed on the land, but they were never able to really inherit the land. Right? There was always constant warfare, conflict, even until, until now. There was never be a time where they are free. There were people around that land, in the land, by the land. Praise God, right now, right where they are right now, there are guys just on the other side throwing bombs to, you know, <laughs> through to them. They have to have a defense system constantly. Imagine living in a country, your next door neighbor are constantly firing bombs inside you. Imagine that kind of state. It's just God kept them there to make them realize that, you see. This inheritance thing, man, is not just not natural. It's just a type, man. <laughs> don't, don't take this thing as your inheritance. I will, I will actually never give this land to you. I'll just make it, I'll just be putting it there so you can, to make you keep thinking about it. So paraventure you can stumble on the real inheritance, which is spiritual. Praise God. Hallelujah. The, the, I'll tell you, the main sign of inheritance, the main marker or uh, a, a, a strong or a great landmark of inheritance is the rebuilding of temple in the land of inheritance. Are you seeing that? All right? To build what is the erection of the temple in the land of inheritance. It means to, to build a temple means you would have built a city first. You would have done all kinds of things that you're not zeroing on the temple, right? So, so even while you might have been in, in the land, you've fought wars and everything, you've had some kind of civilization. But until, you see, the real war is the, the establishment of a temple. It's actually so inheritance culminates in a building. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. It culminates where? In a building, that, that building is a is a it's also be is a, it's also be a gracious house. It's a gracious house, but the one you be house you build in the land of inheritance is a type of gracious house that is is called the pillar and ground of truth. Is the 
is the building of truth. Right? When you get to the land of God, which God has given to you, you have to build a, a, a pillar and ground, which is what they, they call it, a church or whatever, but it's actually a, a kind of a temple, praise God, that is graciously built and graciously what, framed. And you see in the, in the, in the Old Testament, in the, in the Bible, Joshua, they did a lot. They passed through the rest, the Jordan. Then after that time, season of warring began. They fought, some tribes got their land even before Jordan. So you see inheritance began to start even before they crossed, about two tribes or so. They shared some land. They began to distribute themselves around the lands. But all of those seasons, all that did, after crossing Jordan, all that did was just open them to the season of war. All right? Season of war. And that season of war never stopped. They were at war constantly. After Joshua, then all the different judges of Israel began to came, come. There were different tribes they were warring with. At some point, they, they dealt with Philistines for how long? Those ones were a lot. They are still there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Now, I want to, to make you see something. The, there, is a, there is a war of exploration which you need help for. It's a merciful help. Right? It's a kind of war. They were fighting all kinds of war. They were even fighting with the land in the wilderness. Those are wars of exploration. There's a war of exploration, but then there is the war of building. That's another kind of war. That war is a, is a war of grace. Do you understand? It's an, when, you are, when you are dealing with that war of building, is you are now you are fighting, you're not fighting in the terrain that leads to inheritance, land of inheritance. You are fighting inhabitants. Do you, are you getting the difference? Yes, the war that you need to fight to get revelation is different from the war yeah. against the inhabitants yes, of your land. Yes, <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When you're fighting for, for revelation, which is the, when mercy is helping you to, to stop everything that from that every to fight against, against everything stopping your exploration. You are fighting external forces. You are fighting princes. You are fighting, praise God, you are, <laughs> you are fighting different things. That, things that will stop revelation. You saw that kind of warfare when Daniel was fighting to know. When he sat down to know by books, warfare started. And that's why there's a prince of Persia. They began to war. God sent an angel. Those are different, those, those are, uh -huh. I, I know that that fight of Daniel, this was another season entirely, but another season when they had been, they've been taken away from the land, they have to chart their way back. So when they were in Babylon, it was a time where they have to fight the war of exploration again. The war of revelation, you have to begin to search my books, how can God take us back to the land? In that season, the kind of warfare is different. They began to fight principalities. It's like fighting, you see Pharaoh, all those, all those people, those are, uh -huh. it's, a, it's a different kind of war. The war is, is the skill you need to make warfare for revelation knowledge. 
And make no mistake, it's a war. You must fight for every revelation you have, for every insight you have. You must fight mercifully. You must fight for it. You must contend with spirits for it. The spirits, the prevailing winds of the world that, that want to tune your attention, tune your mind away from staying on the scripture, staying on spiritual knowledge. Are you getting me? You must war against those things. It's a kind of war. But it's a different kind of war. It's different from the war of, after a while you've gotten all the revelation and everything, you now realize, Kai, this land is not empty. Oh. The land you want to take. Where's the land? Inside you. So they are inhabitants. Are you getting me? So it is a gracious, the war of grace, what you need the energy of grace for is to make war against what? Of the land. What, what, what are those inhabitants? They are things that want to stop establishment. Ultimately, what they are framed against is the raising of the temple of God within the land of your soul, which God has given to you. There are two different jobs. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, you see, in the, in the Old Testament, David was the um, David was the fulfillment of merciful dealings, right? I, I, said, I spoke to you before and said, David, when it comes to actual mercy, uh-huh, when, you, when I see the story of David, I'm seeing a, a man who was, who was moving in the, in the fullness of mercy, yes, sir. And, then, and then he was fullness of mercy, and then God, they positioned him to initiate the, the travail of grace in Israel. Do you get what I'm saying? But David didn't complete, fulfill the manifestation of gracious dealings of God. But he operated in mercy. Right? He labored in mercy until mercy produced his offspring. Mm -hmm. When David was done, Grace has fallen upon Israel. How was the proof of grace? Solomon. Do you understand? Yes, sir. The proof of, of grace was what? Solomon. What is, what, what is Solomon exemplify? What did it signify? It signified capacity to build. Are you, are you getting me? Yes, sir. But David got the pattern. He gave the revelation. Yes. And he made war for that revelation. Yes. Right? Because you see, every, all the wars he was fighting in that terrain, the, the, the wisdom of how you build that temple, a temple that will stay in that land, must be a, temp, a wisdom that comes from 
a lot of gathering of intelligence around the, the area. It means that that temple must be resistant to, its, to the enemies. You get? Even if you want to talk about what are the kind of sins even that the temple will be, will be taking care of, the sins at that time will not be different from the sins of the kind of people, of the inhabitants of the land. If you want to look at it from that point of view. Do you understand me? So the wisdom of building the temple, praise God, was the, was the product of the, the merciful dealings that God had with what? With David. Then when Solomon came on the scene and they asked him, what should you pray for? He knew exactly that. This is, what, what did Solomon pray for? It's wisdom, but it's grace. Wisdom is grace, you know. You don't know that wisdom is grace. The spirit of wisdom is mercy. Wisdom is grace. The spirit of grace is mercy. The teacher of grace is mercy. That's the spirit of it. Do you understand? Or you can say, the breath from where grace is born is mercy. It's mercy. So you see the spirit, Isaiah 11, spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit. I see all those, they are all merciful spirits, knowledge and any fear of the Lord. Then to make him of a quick understanding. So because he has understanding, because, because of the spirit of understanding, he will now be of understanding. Right? That quick understanding is actually gracious understanding. It's a framing in the vessel. It actually becomes sort of an establishment on the inside. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? In, in the fear of the Lord. The word quick understanding means living understanding. Aha. To make him of a living understanding. In the fear of the Lord. He, he doesn't just have the spirit of understanding. He has living understanding. On the inside. So that living understanding, you can't have living understanding without grace. Is a grace, gracious thing on the inside. This is the language of Peter. Quick living. Praise God. Glory to God. I mean, are you blessed today? Yes, the message can go on and on, but because um, there are different ways to see this wisdom that the Lord is giving to us, but these are the secrets of the Bible. Amen. God wants to bring us from a point of knowing about this salvation thing to becoming a becoming a practitioner, you know, becoming 
Salvation will no longer be something you talk about. Amen. It becomes something that you are Amen. doing. You are experiencing it. Amen. So if someone says, tell me about salvation, it's not quoting Bible like that. Mm. You, you can talk out of the salvation that is, that is occurring to you. Real. Salvation is becoming tangible. Tangible. You begin to see things that Satan has done in men for a long time that have been strongholds. They will just begin to break. Begin to crack. Begin to fall. You begin to see. You begin to get reborn. Reborn. After a while, I will see a new you that I didn't know before. You know, that's not ordinary power. Yes, sir. And it will be strange. How can this person become different? This one? Yes. Some people who knew you before. They will just see a totally different thing. What kind of thing is this? It would be a wonder to the earth. When the Lord begins to raise trees of righteousness, he calls them the planting of the Lord, that who might be glorified, that he might be glorified. Father, we thank you. And that all that we are saying is for your glory. It's just that, that you would take glory, that you would take the glory from our salvation, from our journey, that you will be glorified. Thank you, God. We've spoken all about help today, things that beyond our devices, things that we cannot do for ourselves. So your glory is evident that we are just glorifying you by speaking concerning these things. We're just exalting you, we're lifting you high and putting you in your place. God of all flesh, God of all the earth, the helper of men. Father, we thank you today. Help our gaze, help our eyes to be shifted from mundane things, things without value that cannot help our soul. Help, come and let your grace shut down exercise in vanity. Tune our hearts, help us impart brokenness impart meekness. Help, Lord. Father, all that has been spoken today, let your spirit take it. And I'm praying that will not just be hearing, but also an impartation of these things. Let there be an administration of the spirit over the life and heart of everyone under the sound of my voice. A release of an administration of the spirit in their lives to begin to work out these things too. Bring the actualization of these things. Thank you, our Father. Bless your name. We give all the honor and all the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You dwell between the cherubim. You dwell between the cherubim. Shine for you, love between the cherubim. Shine.